Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. As you may have noticed, Post Woke has a new theme song. It is Smoke and Mirrors by When Humans Had Wings, the musical moniker of friend of the podcast, Allison Gray. And Allison Gray happens to be sitting right next to me my, for my first ever face-to-face -face interview here in New York City. Allison, thank you for being on Post Woke again. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Man, I was planning this whole, while you were talking the whole time, I was like, am I going to say ahoy? Am I going to say hi, lovelings? Like, I didn't know. And I, that's that's what came out. <laughs> okay. Well, I know that when I've been interviewed, I always wind up defaulting to the most, not always, but the classic, I'm happy to be here. And you say to yourself, all right, of course I am happy to be here, but can I think of something more original? More original, But yeah. in the moment, you always say I'm happy to be here, which just I guess like is just sincere. When, when someone says, how are you? And you just say, fine. And yeah. you don't really think about the fact that you're not fine and everything well, sucks and the world is dark. And okay. Do you want this to be in the podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. Okay. Well, let's get back to uh, Smoke and Mirrors before we get into a conversation. Um, we teased it in the intro there and listeners that will be part of the new theme music. You'll hear other excerpts throughout the podcast from now on. But Allison, tell us more about this song, what's happening, what it is, when it's coming out. The floor is yours. Thank you. Well, by the time people hear this, it'll be after April 1st, right? Yes. So uh, my new song, Smoke and Mirrors, is out. I'm so excited to say that because this is my first time fully self-producing a song. Um, so as we talked about in a much earlier interview on Post Oak Podcast, I make music now. I had a big spiritual breakthrough that put me on the music path. I call it my destiny path. And ever since then, uh, I've been channeling music pretty much nonstop. This song came to me in a half dream state, and uh, it was basically begging to be brought into this realm from what I call the other side, which is where all the music comes from. And uh, I had to actually teach myself how to mix music all by myself just to get this song out and it took me a month to figure it out watching all these tutorials so much trial and error so many car tests of the audio until finally uh the song was complete so you get to listen to that on any platform where you can stream music spotify apple music i prefer bandcamp uh, that's the best way to support me as an indie artist so i'll, I'll put specifically the Bandcamp link in the show notes, yeah. along with links to your other other uh, uh, outlets and websites, etc. And we'll come back at the end, we'll come back to talk a little bit more and remind people about the song. But what I wanted to mention was an interesting concept, because here you are in the building in which I live, and I sometimes feel in this building lonely in a creative way. My neighbors are not people who do a lot of creative ventures and all. So with you visiting me, the creative ratio in this building has doubled <laughs> in a matter of minutes. But it leads to a conversation that you and I have had in the past about the concept of living in a world of creators and consumers mm. and what that means in everyday life, but in particular for people who are constantly creating. Oh, boy, where do we start? Um, 
Yeah, the, I mean, the world has been hit really, really hard in the past two years. Uh, a lot of people have just been broken by the COVID PSYOP. And I, you know, I have to acknowledge that. So the criticisms I'm about to offer are, you know, contextualized in that. Um, but truth be told, I've become kind of really disappointed with humanity in general, with how um, there's so much potential in all of this chaos, so to speak, that we could be creating the worlds we want to see out of, you know, everything being so, you know, quote unquote reset. And that that's not a word I want to use because of the connotation it has recently. But um, the truth is, if we're facing reality, we are in a sort of collective zero point where this world could go in pretty much any direction from here. And so many people, even people who consider themselves awake or lucid, are actively choosing the the apocalypse narrative, the one where they're just constantly looking for reasons that everything is turning to shit and and everyone's focusing all their energy on how it's just inevitable that and you know everything's going to be destroyed, the economy and the the grid system and and all of these things. And meanwhile, people like you and I are, we find ourselves so inspired lately, like, whoa, there's, you know, there's so much to be created. There's so much we could be doing with our free time. And um, we're finding ourselves more in creator mode. And we've, yes. we've chosen a very interesting time to awaken to our creative potential because it's like, lately, it seems like the majority of people are just so quick to destroy anything that could be good like yeah. I, it's just almost like an automatic reflex people have to just hate anything that that has the potential to make the world even a little bit more bearable yeah i i mean as you said there's a big percentage of the population who doesn't necessarily think that the world needs to be made better mm. and then the ones who are i remember from our conversation the last time you we were on with sean the ones who are lucid um, as you said, it's very disappointing, not all of them, because there are some wonderful people I've met out there, but it's very disappointing how many of them seem to be reveling in in that doom scrolling and, yeah. and almost like why bother creating stuff because the World Economic Forum or, or the Great Reset or whatever is guaranteed to win. And it, it brings me back to a strange comparison, but when I was with Occupy Wall Street, they would constantly chant we are unstoppable, another world is possible. Mm. I would argue now in retrospect that they weren't taking actions that lived up to that that uh, mantra, but there is some sense, unstoppable is a relative term, but another world is possible to me is hardcore fact. Yeah. And the, the, the what, what Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum or what Tony Fauci or what any of these people are doing, what Vladimir Putin is doing right now is not... Uh, an unstoppable force of nature or a preordained theology. These these things that are happening are choices made by human beings that then create certain consequences and circumstances. And any by then by definition, if different choices had been made, we would have different circumstances. Right. So why can't we make different choices now? Right, and that's what I really want people to understand. Now I'm going to speak as a magician for a moment. These psychopaths who think of themselves as elites and who are pulling all of these strings to try to bring about their beloved new world order, they are entirely and completely dependent on 
us because we have the creative spark that they don't have. We have the capacity to create the world they want to see and they don't have that creative capacity. So they rely on what is called lesser magic. So it's really important, even if you're not a magician, to understand this. Lesser magic is basically... Um, a mechanism where instead of a magician using his or her own power to create something, what they'll do is they'll trick you into creating it. So there are all sorts of ways that a person committed to the path of deception can trick someone into, you know, basically voluntarily giving up their free will in service of the magician's will. So for example, they might script it to you um, that a certain thing is going to happen and just by saying it authoritatively you find yourself agreeing and that's a form of hypnosis or, or um, neuro-linguistic programming. So the iconic, um, you will own nothing and you will be happy, that's a spell. It's not just a headline. I mean, they are writing from the future as if it's already true and getting a bunch of people to repeat it over and over. That makes such a deep impression on the subconscious mind that it begins to manifest directly out of your own mind and, and you project it out into the world as if it's real. That's why it's so important that we understand that we have the right to script as well. We have the right to cast our own spells about the kind of world we want to see. In fact, I did this on Hologram Press. I, I scripted what 2022 is going to look like in um, to the benefit of people like us who are, you know, not in favor of the New World Order um, and things like that. So, so lesser magic, long story short, just these kinds of evil magicians who have not a creative bone in their body taking advantage of us as creative beings, um, not knowing our creative potential and using us to bring their will about into the world um, without our awareness even. A lot of people, like I said, are sleepwalking. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing um, is another topic that we've talked about a lot. It's it's a parasitism. I mm. mean, if people are in uh, these so-called elites are incapable of creating what they want, they have to act, behave as parasites to suck it out of us. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because of their scripting and because of what they've imposed upon us for two years, they've been able to get a percentage of the population to emulate them. And it, it goes back to the first statement I said, where the divide between creator and consumer is more stark than ever. And the number of consumers seems to be rising. So the creators um, have to have this dual mission of following their heart and doing stuff, constantly attempting to create new missions, but also to inspire people to also create and just not be a presence for people to kind of just suck the energy out of. Like anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you just to use the two of us as, as an example, if you wanted to record a song, like record it. If you want to create a podcast, create it. Like the, yeah. the, the, the two of us sitting here don't have, we weren't born with some unique gene that no one else has because this is I'm not saying this is easy it requires a dedication and focus but if the, to share your vision whatever your medium is is what exactly what we need right now right and I don't think most people have contemplated deeply and meaningfully why it's important to make art especially in this time so I guess we should take a second to, to dive into art I think of art, that's why I say my songs come from the other side. It actually feels like to me, now that I've been initiated in, onto my music path, that I am always straddling two realms. I've got, you know, a part of me is in this shared reality or consensus reality, and the other part of me is constantly 
aware of this realm where music is always happening. It, I call it music forever. It's just constant vibrations and rhythms and um, an infinite uh, storehouse of melodies, like all possible combinations of melodies. And once in a while when my mind is clear, if I'm just like chilling, I could be in the kitchen making coffee, it could strike at any moment, but suddenly a melody will come through and I'll feel like I'm a bridge that has been like chosen, I guess, for this melody to try to come through. I have to like drop everything and run to get my phone to record it so I don't forget it and then go to my studio mm -hmm. as soon as I can. I say all of this to say that um, from this and having this be the case in my life for like the past six months, um, I have come to understand that the world of imagination, which is the other side, you know, it's where art comes from, is the zero point of creation itself. Uh, imagination is where new worlds come from. So with enough applied conscious effort, you really can create a movement. You really can inspire others to join you in creation. And to inspire is to breathe life into. It's one of my favorite words for that reason. I mean, think of what was the first thing they targeted with this COVID PSYOP? It was our breath. Exactly. Put a mask on, stop breathing as much. First of all, in the first place, why did the majority of humans listen to these strangers in, on the hypno TV box who said, just breathe less. What, when did we accept that they have the authority to say so and that that makes sense at all, right? So step one, re-inspire, like breathe in again and, and take in that raw life force. And then from there, it is totally up to your unlimited God spark imagination to come up with like new ideas of how the world could look, new economies, um, yep. new finance, um, uh, not, you know, other aspects of, of yeah. what makes a society function. Cultural institutions. Yeah. And Schools. How, exactly. The, the education, as we've talked with Sean about. And yeah, it, it's, it's so, what's crucial is I, I use it. I just want to go back a little bit. I use the example of music and podcasting. So I want to clarify, cause you ended on that point that it doesn't have to be a quote unquote a traditionally creative field, although I think they're all creative. Yeah. Create, creation is creation. So if your passion is numbers and you could come up with a way to have a fair economy, then do it. Step up. This is the time to step up before they they institute the cashless digital social credit world. Mm. Or, but if your passion is sculpture or performance art, whatever it might be, but it's but it's not limited because it's a, it's almost unfair. It is unfair that the word creative and creation isn't normally associated with things outside the accepted realm of art. So mm. I just want to make sure of people listening, oh, you, you're all born with inherent skills that no one else in the world has. So what are you doing with them? That's the question. As, as Allison often puts on her, every now and then on her Facebook status, is like, what are you creating lately? What are you creating now? And the answers range from I'm writing a book to I'm homeschooling my child in a particular way. Those are different forms of creation, but they're all of them create that proverbial ripple effect. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that is so important. We don't want anyone to think that if they're not a traditional artist that they can't take part in, 
you know, healing the culture at large. Absolutely not. There, there is no hierarchy here. Mm. It, it, someone who, who writes a song is 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 exactly a comrade on a, a peer of the person who creates a new educational system. Like, and, that, and that's not. It, it's it's such another false um, system that they've set up that we are always looking to experts, but we are the experts. Yeah. Every single one of us is an expert. We don't need these official experts. In fact, if anything, over the past two years, they've taught us it's quite the opposite. They are destructive parasites looking to drain life from us mm -hmm. so that, quote, we will have nothing and allegedly we will be happy. We will not be happy. Script that. No, yeah. <laughs> we, we will have everything and we will be happy. Yeah. That's, there's the great the reset. The power will be in our hands, yeah. not in theirs. And, um, uh, and, you know, just like with the cult thing we talked about in our last interview, um, people might hear us talking about consumers and parasites and destroyers and not think that that has anything to do with them. So I want to quickly talk about how insidious it can be for sure. that state of being to start overtaking your your judgment and your unique individual spark till you don't even realize that you're part of the problem we all have to confront this within ourselves this is the shadow side of humanity we always think the problem is outside of us but how did we get to this point in in world history where these kinds of people are are leading the show and calling the shots in the first place it's because we didn't value um, life enough and beauty enough to stop them before it got to this point. So now that we're being confronted with it more blatantly and brutally than ever, um, I don't think it's too late to start asking these Absolutely questions, not, no. but we do have to rehabilitate ourselves from the way we've been infected by that parasitic mindset. So some things to like look out for within yourself are, first of all, the most obvious thing, ask yourself when's the last time you created something. Yes. Ask yourself when's the last time you had a really deep conversation with someone about a topic that is uniquely interesting to you and not something that everyone else is talking about right now. I mean, there is that fine line. We all have to kind of stay relevant online and talk about what what's trending and what the hashtags are. Like currently it's Will Smith, like yeah. everyone's. And it's like, on the one hand, it's good to talk about these things for the purpose of exposing what's really going on, which is, you know, like Pfizer's sponsorship and using yeah. the Oscars as a marketing strategy, which I learned from this brilliant man sitting right in front of me. Um, you can read about it on his Substack. But um, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug. Um, but you know, be like, if you're going to talk about something, ask yourself. Am I talking about this because I really feel compelled and inspired to, or is there sort of like a a current carrying me and directing my behavior and my words and my online activity that's making me care about this? And that's something that you can constantly check in with yourself about. Um, mm. and, and I'm a big fan of long social media breaks. I mean, that's probably the best way to detox from the sort of hive mind effect that's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, hive mind is a quite a buzzword in, in this room lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I, I second everything you just said and it's it, it's a it's a tricky proposition because when you talk like we're talking it if so, if someone listening to this is currently just temporarily stuck in a vibe where they're kind of going along with, with just to get along and they're not creating it may sound judgmental so let's both clarify that's absolutely not the two the two of us because we're 
close friends, we're constantly reminding each other to, to keep to keep inspiring each other to keep creating. And that's another thing to have like an accountability buddy that to, to, to connect with like minded and like hearted people. Ah. <laughs> I learned that like hearted phrase. And I said, I'm going to start using it because connect with like minded and like hearted people because they will keep you vibrant and creating and less, less, less susceptible to the nonstop propaganda they're trying to drop on us. So on that note, we're going to take a very short break. We're going to use uh, we're going to I'm going to use this break to play a little bit more of Smoke and Mirrors, which hey. will be now part of our break music. And when you come back, Allison's going to tell us a little bit more about the song. And we're back. And again, that was another short excerpt from Smoke and Mirrors by When Humans Had Wings, the musical moniker of my guest. Allison Gray. That's me. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. Um, so what I want, what I would love for Allison to articulate is a little bit about the the genesis of the song in terms of its underlying meaning and how that meaning connects to the first part of this conversation. Yeah, cool. So um, this song was inspired by the concept of shadow work. If you're not familiar with shadow work, um, I'll give you a quick primer. Basically, the idea is everybody's got a mind and your mind tends to be compartmentalized into your conscious awareness and your subconscious awareness. So your conscious awareness is everything you're aware of, the room that you're in, the thoughts that you're currently thinking, the person in front of you. Your subconscious mind is basically all the dark, taboo, kind of weird, macabre, like creepy things that are not socially acceptable that you repress. So they go outside of your awareness. However, they still have a huge impact on the life you live. So think of all the information that's stored in your mind, every single thing you've ever learned in your life, every memory, every uh, belief that's ever been instilled in you. All of that is still in your subconscious mind, whether you're aware of it or not. So we're talking behavioral patterns that you inherited because of something that happened to you in childhood before you were verbal, you know, before you could interpret what was happening to you, uh, maybe as a baby, as a toddler. So all of that stuff gets stored like, like the underside of an iceberg. That's a great example for Mm -hmm. what the shadow is. So that we call that your shadow, your subconscious mind. And to do shadow work, basically means taking your conscious awareness and training it to look at your subconscious mind and the kind of stuff that lurks in there, your limiting beliefs, your toxic patterns of behavior, um, you know, the, the parts of your personality that you'd rather disown, the things that you want, don't want to admit about yourself. Maybe sometimes you tell lies. Maybe sometimes you have violent urges. Maybe sometimes, um, you know, that that sort of thing. It, it's the dark side of humanity. So doing shadow work means not only becoming aware of what's actually going on in your vast, dark subconscious mind and shining the light of consciousness on it, but then transmuting those subconscious um, memories, anything that's lurking in there, into conscious awareness so so that it's no longer operating in the shadows where you're not aware of it, but now you can bring it forward and make use of it or make peace with it and let it go. So to do shadow work can heal you of 
addictions. It can radically transform your personality. Um, the the really the potential is unlimited. Yeah, improve your communication skills. Yeah. Enhance your relationships. Yeah, and sometimes um, shadow work can work in the opposite direction, where instead of trying to take something out of your subconscious, you actively put something in there. So that's how like hypnosis works. Let's say you have a smoking habit and you can't figure out how to kick it. You might get. You might, you know, have someone trustworthy, ideally someone really trustworthy, because, you know, the mind can be a fragile thing. Uh, you might have them put you in a theta wave state where you're kind of like half asleep, essentially, and don't know what's going on, and then have them chant, like, affirmations about how much you hate smoking and you hate the taste of, of tobacco and, and you never crave nicotine in your life. And then they that goes straight into your subconscious. And then once the hypnosis is over, you find yourself less interested in smoking. And the, so that's a tactic one can use to change their personality um, for the better. So right now, humanity is collectively facing a pretty massive shadow that we've yeah. all been avoiding and repressing, and now we can no longer avoid it. And that is... I guess you could sum it up as parasitism, narcissism, vampirism. They're all kind of the same yep. thing. Yep. This extremely self-oriented way of living where out of fear of intimate connection and out of fear of vulnerability and being seen and loved in our wholeness and fullness, um, we develop personality traits and beliefs that we don't need other people. We can do everything all by ourselves. And um, in fact, it's better to be all alone and and so this is the these beliefs i'm outlining are, are what's at the core really of our entire society the whole corporate climbing culture and trying to be a social media influencer culture and and everyone just trying to be like every man for himself yep. that's i'd say the best summary of where our culture is at and how we got to this point with the great reset of like everyone kind of scrambling to survive and, and desperate to do whatever the overlords say if it means that they're not the one getting kicked out of, of a restaurant because they're not vaccinated. As long as it's not happening to me, you know, then yep. I don't care what happens to those crazy anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists. So collectively, we're facing a huge shadow and we're being confronted with this fork in the road. Are we going to choose more individualism, more selfishness that'll inevitably because i don't see how you could go anywhere from there except to transhumanism yeah. so one fork in the road leads to transhumanism and the other you know the other side of this bifurcation is a more community oriented culture where we're all looking out for each other and we realize oh that all of that stuff we were doing before it's not working and we don't actually want it yep. and now we're actively changing it so that's what me and Mickey mean when we're talking about um, making art and and being creative and con like demanding a better world and and deciding to be the ones who create it. So that's what the song is about. Yeah. It's about shadow work. So I was going to say, as we begin to wrap up this section, that the perfect segue from there is to share how it feels to do shadow work somewhat publicly by writing singing, producing, and then sharing a piece of music? Ooh. Oh, that's a great question. Um, What is it like? I have a bit of a thick skin from seven years of writing. Um, so I guess I'm a little more accustomed to the consequences of just honestly sharing like your character flaws in front of an audience of strangers. Um, but uh, 
even though I have some practice with it, I've got to say it's not that scary. And you more often than not, by sharing something you're going through or um, something that you're not proud of about yourself that you're trying to change, you'll usually find that most people will say, oh my God, me too. Yep. And you think you're alone and you think it's every man for himself, but then you take the risk of being vulnerable and saying, okay, I'm imperfect and I'm ready to change this. And most people will be either going through the same thing or 100% support you in your attempt to change yourself. So um, shadow work, worth it when you do it and make an example of yourself. It usually inspires others to do the same. And I can only see how that would benefit everyone at I, large. I fully concur. Yeah, it's yeah. like, don't be afraid. We're also afraid of like being imperfect and especially with this cancel culture. And I've just got to say like, don't, don't let that get to you. Like all they can really do is, is like talk crap about you. That's really yeah. what cancel culture is. I know sometimes it gets severe, like people losing their jobs, but then again, in service of this, this greater mission of, of demanding a better world, do you really want a job where you can't have freedom of expression because then your your boss your overlord is going to say nope that's not allowed i'm taking away your livelihood you know we've we've got to really think like do, when we try to avoid getting canceled isn't that still a version of every man for himself and Absolutely. what else is possible yeah but by definition to be a creator is to risk imperfection in everything you do even in this conversation it's a, it's not about how perfectly we articulated every syllable of what we said right. it's the essence of what we talked about whether or not it, it you it resonates with you that's up to you but it's not about us stopping saying I mispronounced one word. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> so, so it is. It's a scary thing, and I speak from personal experience because perfectionism is a fear of failure. Mm. And but to risk imperfection is the is the the foundation of creativity. So we're not saying goodbye to Allison yet. Okay, she's going to stick around to do to work to do the story of the week with me. Yeah. But before we get to that, we're going to take this short break. <laughs> Hey, Mickey Z here with a few messages before we get back to the show. I'm asking you to become a paid subscriber to Post Woke. To do so, it's very simple. Just go to mickeyz.substack.com. The link is in the show notes. And there, for just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day, you can support what I'm doing and get a steady flow of podcasts, articles, and other content, including perks that are available only to paid subscribers. So I thank you in advance for making that commitment. It really makes a difference. In addition, if you'll scroll through, scroll through the show notes, you'll see that I have a link in there for the project I do to help homeless women in New York City. Your support is most welcome. There's a link in there for a very cool post-woke podcast t-shirt to let people know what your favorite podcast is. And there's also a link in there for my NFT digital art photography. If you're interested in non-fungible tokens as a collectible, please click that link, check it out, and maybe maybe buy yourself a collectible work of art. So on that note, thank you again. And most importantly, please consider becoming a subscriber at mickeyz.substack.com. And now let's get back to the show. And we're back. Once again, that was an excerpt from 
Smoke and Mirrors, and the author of that song is sitting right next to me to help me with the story of the week. But I'm going to I'm going to start. I'm going to set the stage here. It was August 2020 in Astoria, specifically on 30th Avenue and I think it was 36th Street, and I was walking with Allison with Chinese takeout. And we were standing at the corner like good citizens waiting for the light to change. And for some reason, we both turned our heads to the left at the same time and down at this one particular pigeon. And if you've been in New York City, you know there's pigeons everywhere. This one particular pigeon at our feet. At the moment we looked down, this pigeon did something neither of us had ever seen before. This pigeon yawned. And (laughs) after we got over the shock, because our jaw is hanging, she pulled out her phone and typed in the words, do pigeons yawn? And of course they do. But somehow I could speak for myself when I think of the hundreds of thousands of pigeons I must have crossed paths with in my lifetime in New York City. It's the first time I've ever seen a pigeon yawn. So what do you think, Allison? Is that a good story of the week? (laughs) (laughs) As adorable as it was to experience a pigeon yawning for the first and only time in my life, I I would reckon we have a, reckon. A, a slightly more interesting bird story than that to share. And what might that be? Okay, so, all right. Uh, one time, you and I were walking around in Central Park. And this was before uh, I got you into magic, but I, I had just had my spiritual awakening, and so I was like you know, all connected to the universe and stuff. So um, that's just to give context to why this played out the way it did. So we're walking around and at some point there was like a squirrel like on a tree slightly above our heads. And the squirrel made this sound I'd never heard a squirrel make before. It was like a cry for help or something. Like a whining, like a yeah, like fear. A, yeah, like a warning cry. And we didn't know why. And before we could process it, suddenly a hawk swooped super close to us. And I guess that was what the squirrel had been like giving out a cry about so the other squirrels would know, oh, there's a hawk nearby. So um, we didn't see where the hawk went. We only knew that it flew super close to us because... You can't mistake a hawk no. <laughs> flying that close to you. So I was super excited because it just so happened that maybe a week or two before that, I had heard of uh, another magician friend of mine saying that you can speak telepathically with wild animals and they will understand you. So here was my chance to put it to the test. So Mickey, God bless his heart. Or I should say God bless your <laughs> heart. <laughs> <laughs> minding those word spells um y- you were super open-minded even though uh, i think this could have easily sounded like such a whack job suggestion <laughs> on my part but i said can we try to call the hawk back telepathically and for the record i love hawks and i associate them with my father who passed away so we do have red-tailed hawks in new york but you don't see them that often so their sighting always fills me with joy yeah and they certainly don't come that close no. very often so um, he was like open-minded to it. Yeah, let's let's try talking telepathically to it. So in my head, I very clearly set the intention um, to, I guess, like radar in on that hawk energetically. And I said, hi, we think you're so beautiful. We absolutely love to see hawks and we would love it if you could cross our path again so we can see you again. Um, please find us. We'll be walking around the park and uh, we can't wait to see you. So that's what I said, very heartfelt, like, I just want to see you, you're beautiful. 
So we're walking around. I think we walked for another 10 minutes, got pretty at least, far. At least. And if you know Central Park, it's the ramble we're talking about, which is pretty densely um, vegetated. There's lots of trees and bushes. So you could be walking and not even see the sky. And so the, the, like the sudden appearance of a hawk could really feel sudden. Yeah, yeah. So we were walking and walking, and I don't remember what tipped us off. Oh, no, no. We were walking. We turned a corner, and just as we turned the corner, the what I like to think is the same exact hawk, yeah. um, it was like it had been waiting to see us, and then it swooped down right in front of us, so we couldn't miss it. It was like a few feet <laughs> away, swooped down, went into another nearby tree about five feet away, and sat on the lowest branch right in front of us, and it stayed there for like a solid 10 minutes. Other people were coming over like, oh my God, it's so close, and people were taking photos. Of course, we took some photos, but it, it was amazing that it it like it was as if it was waiting for us and saw us and had to get our attention and then it it sat in a tree posing for <laughs> us because i said you're so beautiful we just want to look at you and then eventually i think we were there for a while yeah. just admiring this hawk and then when it did fly away it stayed close by and was just circling really low and other and people were still like remarking on how close this hawk was and then it did the hawk thing because they can fly so fast then in the blink of an eye it it was really high and it let out that classic hawk, hawk cry and that's when everybody would gasp because it's like it's like a sound effect at this point so i guess it went really high to fully scope out for prey so we got to see it at multiple levels mm -hmm. and i believe in my heart of hearts that that hawk heard my telepathic communication and was like, yeah, I want to be admired, and then came to find us and posed for us and that it understood what it was that we wanted. And ever since then, Mickey and I have on multiple occasions telepathically spoken with other wild animals like squirrels and red robins and crows. And, crows and, and like they always seem to actually understand us. And if we give a little command like, hey, could you turn your body this way? Could you come a little closer or something like that? They always do. Yeah, but we haven't yet been able to make them yawn. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I want to thank Allison. Um, for this wonderful visit and I want to remind you oh, wait, quick side note if I can find any decent hawk photo I got that day I'll put it in the show notes I but have it somewhere you might have it okay yeah. so if, if not if it's not in the show notes of this episode it will be in a future episode but I want to thank Allison for um, visiting New York and for doing my first face-to-face -face interview and sharing all her thoughts and I want to remind everyone why don't you tell them um, it's all going to be in the show notes, but give them a quick synopsis of where they can find you and where they can find your song. Hi, you mm. can find me at whenhumanshadwings.com. That's my main website. If you're going to listen to my music, ideally, please listen on Bandcamp. That's the best way to support me as an up-and-coming indie artist. Um, but you can also find me on Spotify, Apple Music. I've got a YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you know, the whole shebang. <laughs> so um, please go listen to Smoke and Mirrors. I worked so hard on it, and I'm so proud of it. And I, I think you're going to like it, too. All right. So thank you for listening and get out there and start creating. And speaking telepathically to hawks. Speaking, and most of all, keep your guard up.